Hi, this is Bob from Robert Kerrigan Album Reviews. Today I'm here to talk about the documentary Songbirds. Songbirds was a museum in Tennessee that stored thousands of guitars. The very guitars that changed our lives musically. Now there's a documentary out called Songbirds. And what it does, it describes the unfortunate closing of this establishment during COVID. This film was done by Dagon Beckett. He's an Emmy-winning director of this documentary and a longtime musician himself. And here is my interview with Dagon Beckett. This is Bob from the podcast Robert Kerrigan Album Reviews. How are you today? Good, how are you? Doing great. My first question I wanted to ask you is, how did we get here? Um, how did the documentary come into a reality? Oh, man, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so, really, honestly, I was a fan of the museum just as a you know, professional musician. Um, before it closed and then when I heard it was closing like everybody else uh, I just had to do my part to uh, you know pull some string together and uh, film something I didn't know what it was but I wanted to film something I find that in watching the documentary um, I think anyone who can relate to this documentary because the very songs that moved our souls throughout our lives were done on these instruments. Absolutely. And uh, I can honestly say it's uh, for one who is truly passionate about music, it's one to not, it's very important to have a Kleenex box next to you. and going through them when you visited what areas were you drawn to? Well, um, I'm a little different in that I am a left-handed guitar player and so I was always drawn to the instruments that were for my fellow Southpaws. Uh, There was one guitar in the collection that I loved. It was a uh, 1963 Gibson ES 335. Um, I think it was worth about uh, eighty to ninety thousand dollars, from what I was told. Um, and that's the greatest guitar I've ever played. And I also want to ask you, uh, in the museum itself, um, if you could give me and my listeners an oversight as to how these guitars are presented. 
great question. What I loved about the museum is how they set it up. So if you didn't know anything about music, or if you were, like myself, a guitar nut, um, when you got there, it was set up in different uh, timeline showcases. So at the front of the museum was the 1950s timeline, and as you progressed through the back of the museum, it got to uh, a little later in the decades. Um, and then you had the green room in the back where it had the prototype guitars, the special guitars and stuff. So it was, it was definitely set up uh, um, so you could get a good story out of it on how these guitars came about. And also I wanted to have you let the listeners know where are these guitars now? So the guitars, uh, when they were removed, um, they were, most of them were sold off uh, to different collectors, other artists. Um, so if, if you have a sharp eye, if you're going to a live show from one of your favorite artists or you're seeing something on TV, you might see a Songbirds guitar collection guitar you know, in that artist's hand. So most of them went to um, other collectors, uh, other artists. Um, about, um, I want to say about 40, maybe about 100, a little over 100. I'm not real sure on the numbers, but a lot of them were donated to the guitar, to the Songbirds Foundation. So if you were to visit uh, Chattanooga where the museum was, it is now the Songbirds Foundation, uh, where they do have live shows, and um, it's not the museum it was, but there are about uh, 40 to maybe 120 guitars of the, of the 1,200 guitars left there that were donated. And uh, I wanted to speak to you on your musical background. Could you give me a background on your musical training? and your career? Sure, oh, I, I'd be honored to. Um, so, yeah, I really just, you know, at, at a young age, um, fell in love with the Beatles, uh, specifically Abbey Road is my album. Uh, and from that moment on as a child, I just decided to learn all the same instruments that Paul McCartney learned, uh, starting with piano. And then I realized I couldn't play guitars like normal people because I was left-handed. And then Paul McCartney was left-handed, so I thought it was awesome. Uh, so then I started to learn to play bass, and um, and just I just played, 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 and practiced, and I practiced and played in all my high school and college bands. Um, I graduated from the University of Tennessee with my degree in music. Uh, I spent about five to six years uh, playing in professional bands, doing studio work, and playing regionally around the Southeast. Um, after that, I took a position doing some conducting and some uh, orchestral arranging uh, before I moved into uh, filmmaking and uh, video production. So I know you can relate to the insanity that uh, Jimi Hendrix, his playing uh, actually was because he's a left-hand man playing a right-handed guitar. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. I understand. I've got it to where when I go to a music store and I want to play some guitars, I can play a right-handed guitar 
pretty pretty good at playing a guitar upside down, playing those chords upside down. So wow. I definitely understand. Yeah, that's just to me as a as a ex guitarist, the insanity of that idea to me of playing left handed just boggles me. Yeah, you know, I play, you know, traditionally left handed, like you know, like Paul does with my left handed guitars and it's strung for a left hander, but I mean, I'm forty three and after over 30 years of going to music stores my whole life, just picking up guitars. You just kind of, you just kind of learn how to play a G chord upside down and just record <laughs> all those chords upside down just to see what the guitar sounds like, you know? And so, um, I would never perform like that, but I can, I can definitely understand, you know, the point of view of those who are left-handed that play upside down. <laughs> and this documentary, uh, showcases some amazing guitarists i wanted to know uh how did you go about getting them together yeah so uh it was a combination of things a lot of them was just who we had access to and depending on their schedules um and a lot of the stuff was shot fortunately while the museum was still open um i was fortunate in that while the museum was open i had built um, a relationship with the, the, the staff there, um, just offering services for them, offering video. I mean, I wish you straight as a musician and then turned into a filmmaker or production, shooting guitars is like, you know, candy for me, you know, it's sure. my sugar. And so obviously when the museum was built, I just wanted to get my hands on that stuff. And more importantly, I wanted to get my camera lens in front of that stuff and so i would just go and shoot artists for free uh either local artists or regional artists and then um over the years that i did that i had just built up you know uh, a library of footage from several of these artists um and so when when we were putting the film together i was able to pull from the library of artists that we had uh performances from um, and then I just went out and, you know, we went out and kind of tracked down a lot of these artists and asked them if they could talk about the museum after it was closed. And so we were very fortunate to get people like um, Giovanna Monster and John Schneider, all these guys, you know, after the fact they were. Uh, but a lot of it had to do with like, you know, jo- uh, you know, Moss is going to be here. You've got three days notice. So we got three days to get arranged travel, the crew and all that stuff so we can get Joe Bonamassa on camera. So um, it was a lot of very meticulous scheduling, uh, but it, we made it work with what we had. And I wanted to ask you now that this is complete, um, as far as uh, your future and doing this, um, do you see this as a calling to you? Oh, absolutely. This is, whole ride has been a dream come true. And, um, I'm, you know, I'm currently shooting my next project now, which is, um, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a dive from what I'm, I'm used to. It's, um, more of a medical drama documentary. Uh, but then, you know, my producers for Songbirds and I, we have our next project, um, you know, musical documentary project already in pre-production. That's, we're hoping will be a little bit bigger scale. Um, than what Songbirds is. So, 
I'm just, I'm jazzed to be in this position and to do these things. I'm just, I'm humbled and I'm honored to have these opportunities and get these chances. And at the end of the day, the awards and all that stuff are great, but I'm just in this to tell a, you know, a compelling, compelling story that's really just cool for people to watch. Yeah, and, and Songbirds is definitely that. I mean, anyone who... Thank you. Anyone that, uh, like I say, music has moved us all. And um, yeah. there's, you know, <clears throat> you would have to be on a very remote island to not be moved by music. So... Uh, yeah, you know, it's just music is where... Is where I, because of music and the artists I grew up listening to, I'm doing what I do today, and, and so I'm just, you know, I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, I as well. I uh, I've been a fan for as you when I was young. My musical uh, taste started with the Beatles, and then of course I have a metal podcast, and from there it went to. The, in 1976, a friend of mine brought over the album Kiss Destroyer. And I, looked, <laughs> and I looked at the album cover, and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And then yeah. then you heard it, and you got this totally different image and this different feel. And it was so bombastic that I was like, oh, my goodness, where have I been? You know, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. but music does that and music moves us all and it doesn't matter what genre it is. Good music is good music. Absolutely. Yeah. That's how I felt the first time I heard here comes the sun from Abbey road. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, I do it. I just do it. And I wanted to also ask you, uh, I know, uh, Rick Nelson has a guitar in there, correct? Had a guitar in there? Yeah, there. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, he did have a guitar in there. Yes. And uh, and actually, I think he, uh, if I'm correct in my facts, um, I think he actually came to, to the museum and saw that, and and and, and, and was was privy to see that instrument there. That's great. Yeah, I'm I'm in Ohio, home of Rock Hall and Fame, and um, there's some pretty good uh, displays there as well. But it doesn't touch uh, what this place had. Listen, I, I, I'm going to tell you real quick that the the part of that museum that made the hair on my back and my head stood up, where I really figured out that this was unlike any place in the world, is when I was shown. Um, and it's in the film because I, I had I had to make it a point to, to showcase this guitar in the film. It's the uh, the rosewood strat that was made for Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing that that guitar was made specifically for him, and he passed away before they could give it to him, and it being the sister guitar of the rosewood Telecaster that was given to George Harrison. I mean, when I when that story was told and that guitar was presented to me. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. I couldn't believe I was in the same room as this instrument. And it was such a heavy guitar, you know. Oh, and sure. Like, back then, like, they, they were yeah. heavy. Yeah. I think they said it was, that guitar weighed 16 pounds. Wow. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's like, 
this is incredible. This is just incredible, you know? Um, and it's just, I mean, there are no words. There's just no words. And I just, uh, I feel fortunate to have done a small part of, of what that place was. And this uh, will be available on the 9th, is that correct? Yes, it drops on VOD, um, I think Amazon, uh, iTunes, um, there's a Voodoo, I believe, a handful of other uh, platforms um, that it can be purchased. Um, you can pre-order it now on iTunes. Anybody listening now, uh, we would love a pre-order purchase because uh, that really helps us out. Uh, but yeah, we just at the end of the day, you know, myself as the as a filmmaker, as the, the storyteller of this film, and from my producers and the composers and all of us that put our blood, sweat, and tears into this, we just we just want to get the story out of how cool this place was. Yes, I I myself was not aware that it had existed, and was astonished that I did not know. Yeah, unfortunately, that's that's what stinks about this is that, you know, when they put the museum together, you know, it was just starting. It took a couple of years, but it, the word was just starting to get out, you know, through their fundraising endeavors or marketing endeavors. And then COVID hit and completely destroyed, you know, for that year or two, the, uh, the live entertainment scene. And unfortunately, because there was nobody coming to the museum, they didn't know what the future was. They were not able to have live shows anymore there that they just could not afford. It just cost an astronomical amount of money to keep those guitars there every day with how much it costs to condition the place, the security system. I mean, uh, it was just, it was just not sustainable. And they unfortunately had to make the decision to close it and, uh, return the guitars back to the owners. Um, and, and it's just unfortunate that this was a victim, another victim of COVID. Yes, and so much was affected. I know in Ohio here, a lot of clubs had to shut down because of the fact there was no money coming in. Yeah. The rent, you know, rent's still there. Yeah. Hopefully, fortunately for us, and our, our goal of telling the story is that the spirit of what that place was can continue to live on, you know, forever through this film. Uh, and for people to see and enjoy and be a part of through, through the narrative of this film. Absolutely. And uh, I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I could talk music with you all day. Oh, me too. Me too. I'm a, I'm a, geek, I'm a geek with this stuff. I love to talk shop. But, uh, but thank you so much. It's been an honor. And, and I love just telling the story. Anybody who'll listen. Well, thank you again, and you have a great rest of your day, my friend. You too. Take care. All right, you too. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. I'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can sponsor the podcast. Just click that button, and you can be a member of the family. And remember, come see me for a fix.